Get out the insurance cards, get out the co-pays. The office is open, my friends, as this video is brought to you by DrRoto.com. Hello and welcome to the week four edition of the Pros with Joe's podcast. We know there are plenty of fantasy podcasts out there to choose from, so thanks for choosing us. And to all our returning listeners around the world, welcome back in. We've got a great show this week, and we'll welcome in a couple of fantastic guests shortly, so please stick around. With me tonight, as always, is my brother from a different mudda, the pro to my Joe, and co-founder of the Pros with Joe's League, Mr. Eric Romoff. Eric? What do we have going on this week? Yeah, I think you put it best, John. Um, for for anyone who's uh, who's listened before, uh, they they certainly know the drill here. If you're new, thanks for checking us out. As uh, as usual, we're going to be reviewing everything that happened across the charity league in the week that was week four. We're going to touch on all of the news and notes from around the world of the NFL. And tonight, I am super excited because we are going to gain some new perspective from one of the new additions to the Pros with Joe's Charity League. Dave Kluge and his co-manager, Sam Wagman, are going to stop by and tell us about their time playing together. And as always, they're going to answer all of your questions heading into week five. Yeah, that's that's going to be a really fun conversation, uh, especially with the matchups we've got coming up this week in the NFL. But uh, before we get started on week five, let's, let's dive into what happened in week four. Uh, we finally got a week where injuries didn't take all the top headlines in, in fantasy news. Although there were a few that had some impact, uh, notably David Montgomery seems to be the biggest loss for the week. Uh, he's latest update is he's expected to be out four to five weeks. So with that out of the way, what what stuck out to you in week four action? Yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the biggest news of the week is certainly uh, what we saw with David Montgomery there in Chicago. Uh, when this happened, it looked like it might have been a more significant injury than uh, what, it, what it ended up being. It looked like he might have actually had torn his ACL using significant pain as carted off the field. So while fantasy managers are going to be without his services for uh, the, the next month or so to come, uh, it does sound like he dodged a bullet in terms of the rest of his season's outlook. Um, and this injury opens up the door, right? Um the the recently acquired and in my opinion should be Super Bowl MVP Damian Williams now steps into the starting role for the Chicago Bears team that has shown to be fairly effective at moving the ball on the ground and getting their running backs involved out of the backfield in, in the in the receiving game. But it also poses some legitimate questions about Tariq Cohen, right? He he started out the year on the physically unable to perform list. Uh, that clock expires coming out of week six. So we could see him return to the mix here as soon as two weeks from now. So um, as, as I see it, I think there's going to be a lot of fab dollars spent on answering or trying to answer the question of who's the next man up there in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, you have my heart uh, when you, when you call Damian Williams, a, a should be Super Bowl MVP because you're telling me that my Bears are are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, I, you know, as a Bears fan, I I'm also very much a realist, and I hope you're right, but I know you're wrong. Uh, what about quarterbacks? We keep uh, keep seeing them drop a little bit. Uh, anything happen this week that that um, 
is newsworthy in that regard? Yeah, so it was, it was kind of a weird week, right? Um, quarterbacks, at least in most weeks, are generally not too prone to injury. Um, so for this week, uh, to see two quarterbacks, two starter starting quarterbacks go down and, and exit to the blue tent um, is, is pretty rare. So we saw the starter for the Denver Broncos, Teddy Bridgewater, leave with a concussion. Uh, we saw Jimmy Garoppolo, the starter for the 49ers, uh, exit with a uh, calf sprain. Um, and at least from my point of view, not a whole lot of fallout uh, in terms of how this impacts the Denver offense, right? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, now now replaced by Drew Locke, both are fairly kind of replacement level guys. But John, <laughs> what do you make out of what we saw out of rookie Trey Lance in his first half uh, there as, as a signal column? Do you, do you like him this week? Do you think he can maybe do enough to hold the job going forward? Uh, you know, I, I I thought he did as well as he could uh, coming in. You know, I think the toughest job in the NFL is coming in in relief as a quarterback. Um, and so I think he, he did a commendable job. But, you know, this week he's going up against the 4-0 Cardinals. Um, and he's his last start was a, an FCS national championship game for North Dakota State. So... Uh, we'll see, you know, if he if he can continue to have the success that he he had shown a little bit of uh, last week. But you know, honestly, I think the Cardinals are are prepared to welcome him to the NFL appropriately. Um, and you know, honestly, it seems like something is is in the water in the 49ers' backfield because I, they're just rotating in and out of the the injury tent. Um, and I so I what I am hopeful for is that Trey Lance doesn't uh, join his his other teammates in, in the injury tent uh, this week. Um, I think he gets out healthy, um, and I think he learns a lot this week, but I don't expect him to be, you know, any kind of shocking, shocking uh, performance this week. Um, but also, you know, this is an opportunity for him because, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is just prone to injury, you know, year in and year out. He's, he's always either coming back from injury or getting ready to go back on IR. So, um, you know, this is his opportunity to really earn that contract that he signed last year and, you know, and showcase his talent and showcase why he was taken number three, but, you know, we'll see. It's, it's going to be a tough game for him in, in Phoenix and, and that's going to be something to watch for sure. Yeah, definitely something that I'm going to be keeping my my eyes on, right? Um, in in that half of football, Trey Lance looked all right. Uh, he looked a lot like yeah. a rookie quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a that's a great way to describe it. Plays was just staring down his receiver, um, and mm-hmm. yeah, at least was making some kind of questionable throws or decision making. But there were also several plays where we saw the physical gifts that made him the number three overall pick, right? So. For about a half of football, he completed 50% of his passes. He was 9 of 18, 157 yards, two touchdowns. He also picked up a little bit better than 40 yards on the ground. So I think that we are going to see flashes of uh, reason to be excited about Trey Lance. But to step into this Cardinals game, that this Cardinals team, I should say, that's now fourth in DVOA, I mean, this is one of the most difficult matchups that any quarterback, let alone a rookie, could step into. Yep. So I, I think it's fair to temper expectations for Lance in week five. 
in terms of going forward, I mean, anyone who watches football can uh, can see that the the physical skill set of Trey Lance uh, categorically increases the upside and the potency of this 49ers offense. However, yeah. Kyle Shanahan might not watch football because he seems pretty <laughs> adamant about Jimmy Garoppolo being his guy. So um, you know, they're, they're considering him week to week with his injury. Ultimately, it seems like Kyle Shanahan is looking for any reason to get Jimmy Garoppolo back in there. And the only thing that would change his mind is an overwhelming performance this week by Trey Lance. And I just don't think he has the matchup to really do it. So might be a little bit of a tease for anyone who's been rostering Trey Lance and, and hoping for this day to come. Uh, they, they might end up having to wait a bit longer. Yeah, I, I, I think that you couldn't ask for a tougher matchup to make your first career start. Um, <laughs> that's that's unfortunate, but I, I think, you know, he, he got his first team snaps this week in practice. So, you know, hopefully he's got some some chemistry with some of his his weapons out there. Um, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see. Um, but let's let's move on to to league news this week. Uh, you know, week four is in the books and it's, you know, to me, week four is kind of the the make or break point in a lot of leagues. And it's starting to where where you start to see the cream kind of rise to the top of, uh, you know, who's going to be the top in the league. Um, so with that being said, how'd the league do this week? And and are there any trends that that you're seeing uh, as we get into the meat and potatoes of the, the season? Yeah, I, I completely agree with uh, with with your comment there. Right. I, I really love this particular interval of time in the fantasy football season because we really start to get a clear picture of who those premier teams are and who really needs to make up some ground. Right. So at the top of the league, we we do have a couple of teams that are really separating themselves. Uh, last week's guest, Jim Coventry, is now our only remaining team at the undefeated mark. He's 4-0 through through four weeks, obviously. Um, and while their records do have a blemish on there, uh, row, 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 your code, James Coe and his partner, um, do currently hold a scoring mark in the league at a whopping 594 points. So um, definitely two teams to keep an eye on as early favorites. And then there's this sort of, kind of large, unwashed uh, center of the league that is either going to need to very quickly start stacking up some some success or are likely going to start falling behind the pace that these two teams are setting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I mean, I, I kind of want to take credit for, for Jim Coventry being uh, the, the only undefeated team. Um, you know, let's call that a, a post appearance bump on that one. Um, so you know who's 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 really showing and 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 shining in in the divisions. I know pizza has been just kind of the top of the of the league. Um, what are the what are the other divisions looking like right now? Yeah, yeah, pizza still remains top heavy, and that's a joke that we're probably going to drag on the entire season. Yeah, um, but hey, looking across the the landscape of the league. Um, what really jumps out to me is is the Wings Conference. It's it's super tight, right? Um, there are 14 teams in each conference, obviously. Only two of those teams are uh, not carrying either a three and one or a two and two record. There's one team that's zero and four. There's one team wow. that's one and three. 
everyone else is is super closely compacted. And specifically in the Saucy Nugs division, I mean, it is just stacked. All seven of these teams have scored over 500 points on the year. Um, Team Felicio, another Pros with Joe's podcast alum, is holding down the top spot, but literally by inches. He's got about a dozen points over second place. He's got about 10 points over third place. So just really, uh, really tightly compacted um, uh, premier division within within the, the charity league overall. Um, in terms of how the the week sh- you know shook out, um, uh, another week we're now we're now at four consecutive weeks where uh, we saw scoring fall yet again. This time it was by a point to 121 point scoring average for starting rosters. And at least from my point of view, it feels like most people kind of fell on or most matchups at least featured teams on each end of that range. Right there yeah. were some absolute laughers out there uh, actually our our guest joining us here in a few minutes dave kluge uh was the uh that was a victor by the most uh, narrow of margins uh, across the league he won by just over 10 points uh, here in week four but you look everywhere else i mean michael florio won by nearly 50 points uh eight ball and mg not mjg shout out um, I mean, they absolutely boat race their opponents by better than 75. John June won by 50 plus points. Jen Piacenti, right? Uh, the Battle of the Crown. Troy King defeated Scott McKean Ingle by almost 65 points, right? So we just wow. saw some absolute laughers in in week four. Um, and, you know, at least from my point of view, on on either end of that, you know, you can walk away feeling all right, you know. If, if you put up a fantastic performance, obviously you're feeling great. If if you get completely dominated, but it's also maybe your worst scoring week of the year, you would actually rather have that come as the week where you face the highest scoring opponent in the league. Oh, abs- so, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's one week, but there were definitely um, some absolute dominating performances in, in week four. Well, speaking of dominating or or the antithesis of dominating, I do want to bring up the fact that one of our favorite hard luck teams finally got their first week win in week four. Uh, so Team Holt, congrats and raise a drink. Uh, but moving on, since since we didn't get too many impactful injuries last week, that typically means just uh, that's slower week on the waiver wire. Um, Eric, we got. 18 claims across the league this week, down from 20 after week three. So I'd say it slowed down at least a bit. Any claims that stuck out to you this week? Peculiar, close calls, any anything like that? Yeah, far and away, the the weirdest thing from from this week. It's it's technically our close call. Yet again, it's it's Scott Engel from uh, from the Nachos division. Um, he he technically submitted the winning bid for. Um, for for Schultz, but he didn't have an available roster spot to put him. Um, oh. So he, that player went elsewhere, and he was left without. Um, so that, that that was sort of peculiar. Um, you know, I'm I'm not quite sure what to what to chalk it up to. Maybe maybe we'll have to get Scott on here in the weeks to come and and see if he can recall this one specifically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I I. I love trying to armchair quarterback waiver claims and, and love it even more when I seem correct. 
you know, looking at the Eli Mitchell claims. Uh, so with the with the waivers settled out and, you know, everybody seems to be kind of happy with, with the way their teams are going right now, what league matchups are, are most exciting to you this week? I mean, me personally, I'm looking at uh, the, the matchup between a couple of juggernauts in the league. Uh, Team Stefania is is going up against row, row, row your coats. And that, you know, there's two, three and one teams, two teams that are right at or right under uh, 500 points on the year. Um, any other matchups that you're excited about or, or interesting to you? Yeah, I think the one that comes to mind for me is uh, actually featuring our, our guest this evening. So we've, we've got Team Kluge firing it up against Team Impemba. Uh, both of them are sitting at one and three on the year, and they've got within about 10 points of each other in terms of total scoring. So it should be a pretty tight matchup overall. Um, but as opposed to me just pontificating about how this one will go, maybe we'll uh, we'll bring the guys in now and get their opinion on it. So um, here for the week four episode of the Pros with Joe's podcast, I'm super excited to welcome in our guests, Mr. Dave Kluge and Sam Wagman. Dave, Sam, how's how's it going tonight? Going great, man. Thanks for having us. You know, yeah. we've been doing uh, quite a few shows together lately. Nice, nice to see some <laughs> familiar faces out here. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. I, I got to say, Dave, uh, I know our listeners can't see this, but I love the Bears helmet in the background. Uh, that's that's my team. And according to Mr. Eric over here, they are headed to the Super Bowl. Come on. <laughs> you recognize that signature? The Jay Cutty. Cutler helmet? What? The guy won't respond to him either. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to get this man on my show for so long. He wants nothing to do with me. Was that I'm a surprise? Was that he has a I mean, you got it. <laughs> yeah, I've had uh, you know, since uh, I've changed up my my Twitter bio a little bit since I've I've been on Twitter over the last year. But the one thing that has not left is Jay Cutler apologist. I feel like that man got the worst shake in Chicago. Um, I, I'm convinced that had he stayed in Denver, he'd be a Hall of Famer. I mean, Ooh. at least close to it, right? <laughs> certainly, certainly had the arm strength to take advantage of that thin air at Mile High. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, again, guys, thanks. Thanks very much for, for taking some time to, to join us tonight. Um, Dave, why, why don't you get us started? Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the, the charity you're supporting and, and how you landed at, uh, at, at working with that group. Yeah, so I uh, I chose Movember, and they're a charity that I've worked with for quite some time. You know, I'm, I don't really have too many qualms about sharing this, but I've struggled with a lot of mental health problems in my life. I was diagnosed, uh, you know, as being bipolar when I was a teenager and kind of just shrugged it off as thinking, ah, you know, it's just teenage hormones, nothing serious. And then after, you know, a, a pretty rough go through my early adulthood, I went back into therapy and, you know, the, the new doctor that I was with corroborated what I was initially diagnosed with. And I went through therapy and, you know, got on medication and really kind of helped turn my life around. And that's a story that I'm not really embarrassed to share. And uh, one of the things that Movember does is they started as a prostate cancer foundation, and that's where the majority of their money went. But over the last few years, they've started focusing on men's mental health. And it's something that so many guys are scared to talk about. And I, I just want to help try to break down that stigma a little bit. You know, a lot of people are out there struggling. And if you are, you know, go get help because it really, really changed my life around. And I hope that some other people in similar situations can find that same help that I was able to receive. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, this is really part of 
one of my favorite parts of the show is, is getting getting our guests on and, and hearing about you know what what um, organization they're supporting and why. Um, and I, I love like exactly what you said, you know, the, the stigma of, you know, asking for help is, is such a thing that, that we need to just move past, um, you know, as men, but also, you know, as people, you know, we're, we're always just trying to bottle it up, uh, and much to the, the dismay of people around us or, or to ourselves. So that's, that's a really great, uh, foundation that, that, is bringing that to light. So I'm glad that, that you guys are, are supporting that. Yeah. Course, um, right. So, so let's, let's hear, you know, how did you hear about pros with Joe's and, and, you know, when, when did you get started with us? So I heard about it with Eric. Um, one of the uh, first shows, I actually think it was the first show that I ever hosted. Uh, Chase Vernon set Eric and I up together and we got in contact and we did a Sunday morning start sit show together last year and uh it, it was a blast and eric and i you know we we did that show together we were joined with uh kyra over at club fantasy and and it was just a really fun show eric and i stayed in touch and then this year when uh you know you guys were, were looking for some some pros eric reached out to me and you know any opportunity i have to help support a good cause and you know interact with some other people i'm going to take advantage of so i'm i'm, I'm sure. honored and thrilled to be a part of this it's, it's a lot of fun but eric is is the reason that i'm here yeah, it was uh, it was fun reminiscing. Uh, it was before Jim and I joined uh, joined you on on your show. We had Jim on last week, um, so we're we're definitely keeping the revolutions tight uh, in terms of who we're who we're spending some time with. Um, Sam, definitely want to hear a, a little bit more about you first and foremost. Uh, really do appreciate your your support this year. Um, I, I think there's probably a really interesting dynamic between the two of you, being that. Sam, you are in the industry, you're, you're a content creator. So maybe tell us a bit about yourself and, and the type of things that you, you typically work on. Well, for me, I mean, you know, ab absolutely being a content creator along with Dave, who was actually the first person that I reached out to all the way back in January when mm -hmm. I was first interested in get, you know, getting into the content creation game. Dave was the first person that I DM'd. He hit me back almost immediately uh, and we struck up a friendship. So uh, I mean, for me, you know, just getting in, getting into this space was really cool for me because obviously I've been, you know, a football fan my entire life and then getting to do it and have people actually read my work and, you know, come to me for advice is just absolutely like mind boggling that anybody would want to listen to me rant and yell when all I've done is rant about the Eagles for the past, you know, 12, 13 years. But and, and uh, yeah, go ahead. And, and what I was going to say, we might have a little bit of a different relationship than a lot of the other pros and Joes do, but Sam and I, you know, we have developed a good friendship uh, prior to even joining this. So when I heard that Sam was selected, I, I was thrilled because um, I, I think, and I, I could be wrong, but I think I was the first guest that came on your show when you started doing a show. And, yep. you know, Sam's somebody that I just, uh, you know, he, he caught my eye very early on when he was getting into content creation. And I just love seeing him grow in this industry. It's it, It's really, really neat. And yeah, and for me as well, having had my own, you know, struggles with mental health over the years, uh, Asper having Asperger's syndrome for me, you know, points back to when, uh, you know, I was very down uh, middle school, high school, wasn't really able to make a lot of friends. Uh, it's taken me years to get past that. And uh, I love, you know, 
men men's mental health being focused on as a way and then supporting Movember, even though I can't grow a mustache to save my life. <laughs> uh, I will, I will certainly try. It's and, a curse. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's definitely a curse. Can't grow any sort of facial hair. This is kind of all, all I can, all I can work with here. You know? Oh no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a curse to have it. Oh, yes. <laughs> is it, is it though? It, it, you know, it, it fills out your face so well and everything, but yeah, I'm thrilled to be able to support it. Uh, alongside Dave, who I respect immensely, you know, as someone who was one of my earliest mentors, like I said, and, uh, yeah, this is just a great way to support. And I love the system that you guys have going on here. It's really cool to, you know, let pros and, uh, Joe's interact with each other, run teams together, you know, bounce ideas, ideas off each other. So that's great as well. So Sam, going back to your, your content creation uh do you do you have any specialties like do you do you mainly deal in in redrafts or are you kind of a dynasty dfs like what what are you what's what's your key demographic in in the world of fantasy definitely redraft for me uh i'm a new dynasty player i only started playing last year i'm not very good and uh, i do <laughs> it i take pl- it's a dynasty <laughs> exactly it does yeah. it does take time and again i've only been doing this for a year so i got i got some stuff to learn as as far as that and then uh DFS, you know, it's never really clicked with me. I play, I play every week. I'm a, I'm a degenerate. I bet I, I, (laughs) you know, I, I do DFS and I love it, but, uh, you know, I'm really starting to get into it with, you know, the help of all these people in the fantasy space who, who do specialize in that. It's great to follow with them and see what they're working on and see their thought process. And it helps me learn a lot. Like I almost won the million maker, uh, week one on the monday night football game i was just a brian edwards brian edwards dud last drive away from winning uh 50 grand so that was you know exhilarating and then i ended up only winning a couple hundred bucks crushing crushing to see this the 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 number tick down from 50 to eight Mm. to three hundred dollars and it is what it is but it's fun and this is a blast but definitely redraft is you know what i consider myself good at I, I had that exact same sweat for the Monday night game a few nights ago. I was sitting in first place for the entirety of the first quarter, the fourth quarter, I should say. Um, and that uh, that Derek Carr pick, I guess, uh, I guess the Chargers D was the chalk because that slid me down to a good two fifty. Um, so to to see to see those long numbers in your uh, in your winnings column on DraftKings and then they just evaporate down to. You know, seventy bucks, one hundred and ten bucks, whatever it's it might painful. be. Painful. Uh, Derek Carr doing Derek Carr things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, you guys, you guys talked about it a little bit, but um, I, I do want to sort of double click on on the dynamic between the two of you, right? Um, the the world that we live in as as content creators is one where um, you know people tend to sort of plant their flags and and have their takes and stand by them. So. Uh, here a few weeks in, um, you know, what's what's it been like playing alongside one another? Are there any um, uh, stories that you can share about where you maybe felt differently on a roster move or a player to acquire or anything like that? 
You know, I, I feel like we've kind of been alternating week to week where one week Sam will kind of take the lead and then one week I'll kind of take the lead. But uh, as for our draft strategy, I, I think we did, you know, we we had a pretty deep conversation about our strategy before going into this and kind of how we wanted to uh, to, to handle this. And it was, it was very different. You know, this is the first time I've ever done a league where it is all flex spots. So that was, uh, that was you know, a very, very... Uh, new way for me to have to draft and Sam I don't, I don't know about you but I'm, I'm assuming this was your first time as well so we really took a very different approach um, you know in your standard redraft league I think that Sam and I have very similar tendencies we've uh, you know uh, throughout this offseason I think Sam and I were probably in about 50 different best ball drafts together so we're kind of cued in on who each other likes and like I, I knew where Sam's mind was going uh, before he probably knew I, I did and, and vice versa he probably knew who was on my mind just because we've spent so much time together in the offseason discussing takes and doing best ball drafts together. So getting to getting to do a team together, I'd say it was kind of frictionless. I feel like for the most part, we kind of had our eyes on the same people going into every single round. Yep, and there were definitely a couple that we missed on, like uh, the fact that we took Aaron Rodgers over Jalen Hurts when we discussed it thoroughly and we yeah. ended up both going with Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Not our smartest move, but... Uh, really you know. wanted that Adams-Rodgers stack. <laughs> And then we wanted the Dev- we wanted the Hertz and Devonta stack and thought we could get them as well and they ended up getting mm-hmm. Hertz ended up getting sniped a few picks before us which mm. really hurt me being yeah. a huge Eagles fan that I am but uh, the Fly know. Eagles, <laughs> no birds. absolutely yeah. Um, so you, you you touched on it a little bit there, but um, uh, looking back at the draft, that there was a, sort of a, a point of interest for me, right, Dave? You're um, you're, you're a proud zero wide receiver hawk out there in those Twitter streets. Um, I think that was your pin tweet on your profile for uh, the majority, if not the entirety of the off season. Um, and then we get to uh, the pros with Joe's draft and you did nothing but draft wide receivers, right? Um, <laughs> I, I believe Leonard Fournette was your first running back off the board right around the I think DeAndre Swift. So. Yeah, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift dropped to us oh, in like the sixth round, and that was that was tough to wild. Pass on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People people definitely put uh, put the emphasis on the the pass catcher more. So we saw we saw a number of running backs fall, uh, but overall, I mean, how how did the kind of positionless nature of uh, of the the format kind of change your draft strategy? Well, what we did is we just looked at the last couple of years of scoring and we saw that wide receivers typically score more than running backs. So uh, we knew that everybody was going to have it in their mind, especially with the draft being so late. You know, it was just a few days before kickoff. We knew that everyone was going to have a lot of drafts under their belts already and they were going to be eyeballing the the people that they were eyeballing and, you know, taking running backs early. And we just saw that, you know, if you don't need to fill running back positions, we didn't really see the reason for drafting running backs. You know, the biggest advantage that you get by going zero wide receiver is that positional advantage at running back. But being all flex spots, why not just draft the guys that score the most points? And, you know, we've been pretty hampered by injuries so far, so it hasn't really worked in our favor, but I'm still pretty confident in the, uh, and the choices that we made and, you know, getting to start off the draft with Devontae Adams and, and A.J. Brown and Amari Cooper and Devonta Smith and all these really, really good wide receivers. I, I think that it'll end up paying off for us as the season progresses. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that we landed two stellar pass catchers as well as the running back position, even though we didn't really target them, you know, getting swift and then, you know, getting Fournette, which we both agreed was kind of wild that he dropped so far. I think he dropped to like the 10th or 11th round. 
you know, in a 14 team league. And so, you know, we just kind of had, we just kind of assumed that he would get the passing down work. I didn't expect him to take over the lead job. I don't think Dave did either. So that really worked out for us. Well, so Sam, usually, usually fantasy managers evaluate their teams by, by quarter, uh, even though we're dealing with a 17 game season this year. Uh, what's your take on the state of team Kluge and, and what advice would you give to, to managers who've started zero and four or, or at one and three? Well, I'm with Dave. I, you know, our team is not, our team is performing like it has because we have an immense amount of injuries that we've yeah. just been hit with on a weekly basis. You know, DeAndre Swift is in and out. AJ Brown's been banged up. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Will Fuller thing. Uh, so, I mean, we've been, you know, hit after hit after hit and, uh, you know, but we saw our team, we, we've seen our team ceiling, you know, being able to put up 140, you know, 140, maybe 150 points when we're at full strength. And, and that's the biggest part for us is that, you know, with the addition of the 17th game, you know, starting out one and three, oh, and four is no longer the death sentence that it might once have been. So, I mean, just, you just got to hang, you just got to hang in there when you start off slow. Because there's always time to build it back. And again, once we get all our guys back from injury, you know, we'll be the powerhouse that I think our team really is. And and yeah, I think that's the biggest thing is just not panicking. You know, we we felt yeah. confident with the team that we drafted at the end of the draft. And then, you know, injuries happen. It's a part of fantasy football. And when you're in a 14-team league with pretty deep benches, it's not like you could just go to the waiver wire and pick guys <laughs> up that you can plug in and, and be weekly starters. So, um, you know, just looking through our roster right now, I mean, over half the guys on this team have a Q or an X next to their name. We got DeAndre Swift, uh, A.J. Brown, uh, Amari Cooper and Sterling Shepard all listed as questionable, and then Rashad Bateman, Nico Collins, and Will Fuller all officially out. So that's a pretty tough hurdle to get over when you're dealing with those sorts of injuries. But I'm confident that you know once once we get a clean bill of health, we're we're gonna be uh we're gonna be a force. Absolutely. Yeah, and it, it looks like uh, at least with some of those names that you mentioned, that clean bill of health is uh, knock on wood coming sooner rather than later. Um, Dave, I, I do want to. Uh, head to you next as our resident Bears insider for the Pros with Joe's podcast. So uh, really busy week for the Monsters of the Midway. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to get your point of view on the, the David Montgomery injury and specifically how you see that playing out for um, some of those secondary options in, in the, the Bears backfield. Well, I think that this is just going to be the Damian Williams show. I mean, Matt Nagy, really found a lot of success as the offensive coordinator in Kansas City with Damian Williams. So uh, he's already got that trust there. I don't see any reason that he's not going to lean on Damian Williams the same way that he did on David Montgomery. And David Mon and Damian Williams, he's he's a very versatile back as well. Um, you know, Montgomery can catch the ball out of the backfield. So can Damian Williams. So, you know, some people are getting a little too cute with it, I think, by talking about Khalil Herbert, who's a guy that, you know, I think that he does what he does well, but he's not somebody that has that explosiveness that you want to see from the overall RB1. So I think he'll be in there to spell uh, Williams from time to time. But I think that Damian Williams is a fantastic pickup. And then when you look at the schedule, you know, they're saying three to five weeks for Montgomery, but they've got a week 10 bye. So it wouldn't surprise me if Montgomery is just shelved through that bye week. So he might not be coming back until week 11. So if you can get a guy off of waivers right now, which waivers have cleared in most leagues already, but I think that Damian Williams is going to be, you know, a similar value to what you'd be getting from David Montgomery, which is a mid to high end RB2. And you're going to be getting that for, you know, the, the, the foreseeable future. 
So I really like it there. Um, and then I think that with Justin Fields taking over, when you have a quarterback that has rushing ability, that just has to keep the defense a little bit more honest. And we saw this last week, uh, Trey Sermon, you know, he saw he looked a little bit better once Trey Lance took over. So I think that with Justin Fields being the quarterback, that's just going to make it even that much easier for Damian Williams to find room to run. So I think that Damian Williams is one of those guys that if you got him off of the waiver wire, plug him in your lineup immediately and just set it and forget it for the next few weeks. That that actually yeah, that, that makes a, a lot of sense. I, I had a. a a question uh, as a follow-up. You, you mentioned Justin Fields. What are your What are your thoughts so far? Is Is he a, a superior product to Andy Dalton? Yes, absolutely. And I'm glad that the Bears finally recognized that and made that decision today. I was really worried that uh, you know Matt Nagy's pride was going to get in the way. And yeah, but uh, you know that 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 week three showing against Cleveland was brutal. I don't think any rookie quarterback wants to get their first start, their first taste of NFL action on the road with Miles Garrett in their face in a hostile environment. It's one of the best teams in the AFC. So I feel bad for Justin Fields. That's how he had to get his first taste of NFL action. But what we saw him do last week is exactly what you want to see a good quarterback do. You know, yeah. play against a bad team, step up, make big plays, you know, not let the pedal out and, and, and just put together an all around great performance. And that's what we saw last week. So I, I am, you know, very excited for Justin Fields. Um, and, and, and the biggest thing for me, and I, I dropped a video about this this morning, is seeing the vast change in usage for Darnell Mooney once Justin Fields took over. Rather than Darnell Mooney lining up in the slot and running these little, you know, slants and fades just to try to, you know, stay within 15, 20 yards, now he's blowing the top off the defenses, doing what he does best, catching yeah. balls 50 yards downfield, getting yards after the catch. So I am, you know, beyond thrilled to see the future for Darnell Mooney. Yeah, I was, I was absolutely shocked as uh, as news broke today. Right, Wednesday is always a super busy news day as as we get practice reports out, and I got a push notification that Andy Dalton was back in practice, and my heart sunk, and I was like, oh no, Nagy's going to do the dumb thing again, and it's going to be Dalton one more week, and maybe thirty seconds later, he came out with the full throated support and backing behind Justin Fields, so. Definitely excited that it's field season. I do think that it it does point the arrow up for for this Bears offense and something that I'm going to be watching play out through the the rest of the season. Um, as we as we transition into week five, um, we have maybe our first Thursday night football game ever that hasn't looked like an absolute trash heap on paper. We've got <laughs> the the Seahawks going to face off against the Rams, so. Um, for either of you, any any storylines that you're watching for this game or any particular matchups that you're looking to exploit? For me, I, I want to focus on the fa- the pace of play narrative because both these teams are in the bottom in the bottom third of the league and uh, plays run per game right now, which is kind of nuts for a game with a 54 and a half over. So, you know, I would not be surprised if both these teams kind of focus on the run a little bit. I know they have explosive options at the wide receiver position, but, uh, you know, it would not shock me to see this game kind of be more of a grinded out slugfest for, you know, that an NFC West rivalry that is very strong between the two teams and, uh, you know, focus on protecting the Seahawks, focus on protecting Tyler Lockett's health. And then Jalen Ramsey kind of shuts down DK Metcalf a little bit. And uh, we'll see what happens with the Rams. I kind of expect the Rams 
to kind of blow blow the uh, blow the doors off the Seahawks here. You know, without Chris Carson to kind of you know get them under control and relying on Alex Collins, who's probably you know Carson's probably going to be out with a neck injury. Uh, it kind of scares me to back the Seahawks at all. So I think this is going to be you know a grinded out game for the Rams and you know probably uh, low scoring as well. Yeah, for me, the, the big thing that I'm going to be watching is to see if that squeaky wheel gets the grease. You know, Robert Woods has been saying that he wants some more touches. Robert Woods has been a massive disappointment in his current ADP. And, you know, for people like me that were all in on Cooper Cup in the offseason, this is fantastic news. But I think that this team as a whole will look a lot better if they can get the ball in Robert Woods' hands. So, uh, you know, he wants the ball more. Sean McVay said that they're going to get him the ball more. And that's going to be the number one thing that I'm going to be watching tomorrow night is Robert Woods and whether they are getting him the targets that he deserves. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I that's I, I got to say, this is probably the first Thursday night game that I'm interested to watch this year. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting. But yeah, the, the Rams, uh, I think they're I think they they take this one fairly, fairly handily. Uh, another question for both of you guys, uh, for managers that are looking to bounce back from a slow start. Uh, are are there any buy low candidates or or anything that you're targeting in the the in trades or, or free agent options right now, like two or three players maybe? Sam, do you want to start this one off? I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of them. What do you got? Let's hear yours. I, I need hot the, tips. Yeah, the one guy that I'm just talking about right now, Robert Woods. I think that he is mm-hmm. a fantastic buy low, and I'm not going to talk about that too much because I already did um, just a little bit. But Calvin Ridley is another guy right now who is off to an abysmal start this year yes, and has just completely nuked so many teams that drafted him in the second round. You know, I had him as a a guy that I thought he was top three potential as for finishing as the overall wide receiver one. Like, I thought that he... You know, his sky seemed like it was huge last year without Julio Jones. He was averaging over 100 yards per game in games that Julio Jones didn't play. So now this year, it's it's really frustrating to see. But you gotta you gotta hope that he's going to bounce back at some point. He's getting the targets, and and I just want to chalk this up as trying to learn a new offense. I got a couple as well. Uh, C.D. Lamb, who, you know, obviously had a really good week one and has kind of petered off, you know, over the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, we definitely saw him kind of blossoming into that wide receiver one status this year. Hasn't really happened so far outside of the great week one performance. So we're going to look to see him try and get back on track against the Giants. Uh, you know, porous secondary there, to say the least. And then another guy I really have liked is um oh god why am i blanking on the name all of a sudden uh Cortland sutton who has yep. you know kind of had another couple down weeks after uh dave and i took our victory laps a couple weeks ago <laughs> when he posted that 158 yard outing yep. so you know i think we kind of did that you know we probably ended the Cortland sutton hype train right where it started but uh, hopefully he gets back on track, if not this week against Baltimore over the next yep. couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to see what Drew Locke can do if Teddy Bridgewater can't make it out of the concussion protocol in time. So that should be interesting as well. You know, for me, who definitely thought Drew Locke was better for Sutton's uh, productivity. So that'll be really interesting to watch as well. 
And then one more name I'll throw out there, and this is a guy you might not even have to buy low on him. You might be able to just snag him off your waiver wire right now, is Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, <laughs> uh, much like Calvin, Calvin Ridley, has gotten off to a terrible, terrible, terrible start. Um, but, you know, like Calvin Ridley, he's also learning a brand new offense, and that takes some time. And, you know, right now it seems like they're leaning on Derrick Henry a little bit heavier with injuries yeah. to A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. But those guys will come back at some point in the offseason. Ryan Tannehill has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks over the last three years since leaving Miami. So it sounds kind of gross to say go out and get Ryan Tannehill right now. But I think that the <laughs> only way from here is up. I can't imagine him looking any worse than he's looked in the first quarter of the season. Yeah, once A.J. Brown and Julio Jones come back strong, it has to be wheels up for him. Yeah, I would, I would certainly imagine. And if nothing else... I mean, at some point, the Titans have to realize that they're going to kill Derrick Henry if they continue to feed him this workload. I think he's on pace for like nearly 550 touches this year. Um, So I expect that pendulum to swing back. Um, And obviously that favors Ryan Tannehill. So definitely like those those sleepers to target. We uh, we did have some listener questions come in for the week. So I'll kick us off with uh, everyone's favorite, a rest of season rankings question. So the half point PPR league. Um, they want to know how you rank among Ayuk, Jamison Crowder, and Josh Gordon. Are either of you Gordon guys? <laughs> I mean, how do you not root for that guy? Uh, <laughs> at this point, I mean, I just wa- I just want to see the talent again. Like you know, it's been eight years since we've seen him play more than what three games in any, yeah. in any season. So I just really want to see the talent for Gordon come out for Gordon again. There's no better offense for him to be in. Or just to see what's left in Josh Gordon's tank is is mm-hmm. what I'm more interested in. Which which apparently he has looked incredible at practice. I mean that's that's what every report I've been reading is that he looks like he is, you know, ready to go in football shape. They're saying that he should be active this week. Kind of incredible that that's where he's at after all of this time off. But but for me out of this group, you know, I'm I'm ranking Ayuk above the rest, and yeah. not because I think that he is going to be somebody that you're going to be starting every single week. But last year in Debo Samuel's absence, we saw Ayuk absolutely crush it and put up wide receiver one numbers consistently. So not that I hope anybody gets injured, but Debo Samuel he does have a knack for getting injured, and if he goes down again, they're going to scheme Brandon Ayuk open the same way that they're scheming Debo Debo Samuel open right now. So he's somebody that I'd prefer out of this bunch just because you stash them on your bench and you know if something happens to Kittle or Debo you know that you've got a pretty sound piece there that you can play week in and week out yeah for me the same yeah all right I had a a similar read on them um you know at least in terms of of Josh Gordon as much as I might want him to uh to to make you know make some sort of splash coming in I mean the the guy is uh, as as you put it Sam eight years removed from uh, really con- contributing at a meaningful level. And this Kansas City offense, you know, they haven't really shown themselves of being capable of supporting a third pass catcher. So it's awesome to see that he's he's coming right in. He's in great shape. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of uh, tongue-in-cheek reporting about fresh legs, um, but definitely something to watch. Um, uh, but at least from my point of view, not something to invest in. Agreed. All right. Uh, next question, Ben is wanting to know if he should start James Connor or Kenneth Gainwell in a PPR league. Kenny G all day. Ooh. 
I've never been I've never <laughs> been a James Conner guy this entire offseason. I spent the offseason fighting off the James Conner truthers who still exist for some odd reason uh, in favor of Chase Edmonds. So, you know, for me, Connor's Connor's role is pretty much limited to, you know, being relevant at the goal line at this point. You know, Chase Ed- Chase Edmonds is pretty much the guy otherwise for them from what I've seen. And he's doing a whole lot more with his touches than Connor has. You know, so obviously Connor is getting the ball, you know, inside the five yard line, you know, being the fact that he has about 40 pounds on Edmonds. Yeah. But uh the you know, I, I want I want Kenny Gamewell here because that offense is coming closer and closer and closer to a timeshare. Uh, you know, that's come from inside the Eagles organization. And the Eagles must have some gripe against the way Miles Sanders is practicing or, you know, or he did something because he has eight carries for the last two weeks. <laughs> Doug Peterson didn't like Miles Sanders. Sirianni appears to like him less. So, uh, you know, for me, Kenny Gainwell is a guy who I absolutely loved all through the pre-draft process. Uh, I wanted him to go to a great many of different teams in order to enhance his fantasy value. I'm not upset he landed on the Eagles. If Sirianni used, you know, utilizes the offense the way the Colts offense that he, you know, was involved in running in Indy goes, uh, you know, a Naheem Hines role resulted in RB15 last year. So, you know, Gainwell with this, those kind of numbers and the way that he's clearly the best pass catching RB out of this draft, it wouldn't shock me to see him sneak inside the top 36 uh, at the running back position this year by the end of the year if these numbers, the timeshare keeps creeping closer and closer. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. The, the thing that gives me pause uh, for James Conner, I, I think we can all say that He's outperformed any of our expectations thus far, um, but it's super touchdown dependent, right? Um, mm-hmm. And banking on two touchdown games as the center, the the foundation of your scoring is usually going to bite you more often than not. So right there with you, Sam, um, we do have time for, uh, for one more question. Uh, Carson is asking if he can start Dalton Schultz over George Kittle this week. Um, I think I know where everyone's going to come in uh, on that, but, I'd love to hear uh, either of your thoughts on uh, Schultz's young season. He's currently PFF's number two tight end behind Travis Kelsey. So um, are either of you surprising me with your your pick for who to start? What are your thoughts on on Schultz? You know, I, I love what Schultz has been able to do to start this season. Uh, it's kind of funny that, you know, every analyst was hyping up Blake Jarwin through the offseason, thinking that he'd be a thing. And now here comes Dalton Schultz outplaying uh, uh, Blake Jarwin, but, you know, that just shows how fickle this game that we play can be. But, no, you're not benching George Kittle. Come on. I mean, it's George Kittle. He's arguably the best all-around tight end out there. You know, no disrespect to Travis Kelsey. Uh, George Kittle does a little bit more, though, on the blocking end, and that's really been his fault this year you know he he's only running routes on 33 percent of his plays he's being asked to block a ton but when he catches the ball you know he can score from anywhere on the field you throw him a little fade at you know your own five yard line and he can take it 95 yards to the house the one thing that we haven't seen so far from george kittle this season is any sort of red zone targets so i'm hoping that you know in a conference game they're going to lean on george kittle a little bit um i know he's been he's been disappointing so far but i want to say he's still the tight end 10 or 11 overall he's still putting up tight end one numbers and might not be putting up the ceiling that you want from george kittle 
but it can happen any given week. You know, last time this guy was fully healthy, he tied with Travis Kelsey for the tight end one overall in 2019. I just don't think that there's any world that you should be, uh, you know, freaking out, panicking, or benching George Kittle just yet. Well, guys, uh, that's that's pretty much all the the time we have for for listener questions. Uh, this is the part of the show where we like to give a little bit of time back to our guests, um, so they can kind of tell the listeners where we can find you guys on the internet. Uh, so, Sam, let's start with you. Where can we see you and and find your content? Yeah, you guys can find everything on my Twitter, uh, at Swagman95. Uh, I write for Ball Blast Football. I'm a contributor to Football Guys. I do a weekly waiver show for Ball Blast every week, every Tuesday night. And uh, for me, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm easy. Well, hey, man, that's awesome. Uh, I just I, – I ask – I ask our dear listeners to go out and, and, and find him and, and help him grow his, his product out there. Um, this is a great opportunity to, to help, you know, scale his, his presence out there. Uh, Dave, what about you or where can we find you? You can find the majority of my work over at footballguys.com. Um, right now, the big initiative that we've been pushing out are short videos on YouTube. Um, so definitely recommend checking those out. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, just three to five minutes, jam-packed with information. We do previews for all of the primetime games. Uh, we do waiver wire reports. We do injury reports. So definitely recommend checking that out. The whole team is bringing some fire content there. Uh, over at Fantasy Pros, I work on their news correspondence desk, and I'm a part of their expert program. So you'll find me on some collaborative articles and doing rankings as well. But really, the best thing to do is just follow me on Twitter at Dave Kluge. Um, I'm doing shows just about every single day. This is my third show of the day today. So if you want to keep up with everything that I'm doing, just follow me on Twitter. That's the easiest way to find me. Yeah, and I, I can confirm on the YouTube videos, uh, you guys are, are my quick hit uh, go-tos uh, on, on Tuesdays and, and Wednesdays when we're putting this love stuff that. together. So uh, love that. So yeah, definitely check those, check those out. Uh, Eric, you want to take us out of here? Yeah, Dave. Dave definitely one of one of the hardest working guys out there. Um, I, I was I was watching him along on on the feed today and thinking about this late night that we were going to throw onto his lap. So um, <laughs> definitely show your support to Sam and Dave as they're out there creating this awesome content. Um, and for everyone who is out there listening, um, please do consider supporting the work that we're doing here at, at Pros with Joe's. You can uh, head over to our Twitter page. It's at Pros with Joe's. Um, from there, you can go directly to our website or directly to our donor center. We are continuing to raise money all throughout uh, the regular season. So giving away a ton of prizes, uh, whatever you can uh, ultimately stand to part with, give a little, give a lot. Um, all of these organizations that we work with, along with Movember, do a really amazing job of getting the most out of every dollar that's donated. So um, if you are so inclined, please consider supporting the work that we're doing uh, in terms of the content itself, the Pros with Joe's podcast, is part of the Dr. Roto podcast network. So head to any of the platforms where you get your podcast, uh, search for either Pros with Joe's or Dr. Roto, scroll on down, hit that subscribe button, throw some stars up, leave a review. It, it really does go a long way in spreading the word of the work that we're trying to do. And with that, we are out for another week. <laughs>